0: I want to begin a new sermon series this morning on living in prophetic times. Now, uh, hear that well. I didn't say pathetic times. I said prophetic times. I want to talk about living in prophetic times. And I'm going to ask you to go with me to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 5. I want to read a portion of the genealogy of the men... Or the generations that followed after Adam. And Genesis chapter 5, and we're going to read beginning in verse 21. Genesis chapter 5, verse 21. It reads Enoch walked, pardon, Enoch lived 65 years and became the father of Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God 300 years after he became the father of Methuselah, and he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Methuselah lived 187 years and became the father of Lamech. Then Methuselah lived 782 years after he became the father of Lamech, and he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Methuselah were 969 years, and he died. Now I want you to go to the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 21 and verse 9. Luke chapter 21, verse 9, "When you hear of wars and disturbances, do not be terrified, for these things must take place first, but the end does not follow immediately. Then he continued by saying, "Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be great earthquakes and various plagues and famines, and there will be terrors and great signs. From the heaven. But before these things, they will lay hands on you and will persecute you, delivering you to the synagogue and prison, bringing you before kings and governors for my sake. It will lead to an opportunity for your testimony. So make up your mind not to prepare beforehand to defend yourself. For I will give you utterance and wisdom, which none ...of your opponents will be able to refute. And now if you would, go down to verse 28. But when these things begin to take place... ...straighten up, lift up your head... ...because your redemption is drawing near. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning... ...for the presence and power of the Holy Spirit among us. I ask that you would anoint my lips of clay... Preach the word of the living God. And I ask you to anoint the hearing of this congregation that they might receive the word and let it be engrafted into their heart and their life by faith. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to speak this morning about living in prophetic times because I believe that we are living. In prophetic times. And over the next couple of weeks. I want to discover this topic with you. So that we can understand how we should live. In days like the days in which we are living right now. If you want to know what prophetic times are. They're basically times in which we see the fulfillment of scripture. Taking place around us. Uh, One of the phrases that is often used is the phrase, the end times. And some people misunderstand that phrase because honestly, if you look at the Bible, when the day of Pentecost occurred, the apostle Peter said, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit. And so Peter indicates that he was living in the last days. That he was living in the end times. So the word end times is misunderstood because it really represents a long period of time. But it's that time prior to the ending of the church age. And that time which ultimately will lead to the reign of the Lord Jesus Christ upon the earth for a thousand years. Throughout the Bible there have been various prophetic seasons prophetic periods and the people living in them are examples to us of how we should live in these prophetic times we're living in prophetic times and i'll mention to you a few reasons why that is true and these are some of the things that will characterize our age there is in the prophetic season a rising tide of wickedness More and more, wickedness begins to grow and increase. That is the day that you and I are living in today. I don't think I need to explain too much about the fact that you and I are living in times in which the wickedness of man is increasing. Prophetic times are also characterized by an increase of irreverence toward God. An increase of irreverence or lack of respect toward God. We see that increasing in our day as well. Prophetic times are also uh, defined by a lack of awareness of the time. Many Many times when people are living in a prophetic season, they don't understand it. In fact, Jesus said that he would return in a time that would be like the days of Noah. The Bible describes the days of Noah saying that they were eating and drinking. Marrying and giving in marriage. It describes the days of Lot as well. And it says that people were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. All of these basically mean that those people living in those prophetic seasons were living life as usual. They were unaware that things were changing around them. Completely unaware of their times. The Bible tells us that this will be true as well at the end of the last days. Because the Bible says that it will come for many like a thief in the night. Taking many by surprise. And certainly that is the age that we're living in now. Finally, one of the other reasons I say we're living in prophetic times is because of the many ways in which we are seeing and watching the nations Make peace with the nation of Israel. All of these things beginning to line up. Are signals to us that things are changing in our world. That God's program, God's prophetic program for the end of this age is being fulfilled. I don't know how much time we have to the rapture of the church. But I do know that we are... Inching our way closer to that time. Now some people are talking about and, and they look for the end of the world. And some people are asking, is this the end of the world? Are we coming to the end of the world? Well, the Bible doesn't speak about the end of the world. It speaks about the end of the age. In the scriptures there are seven prophetic dispensations. We are currently in the dispensation of grace. This dispensation has lasted from the cross and will last until the uh, until the rapture of the church and the great tribulation. And so we're not waiting for the end of the world. We're looking for the end of the church age. And at that time, we will then enter into the next dispensation in which God will judge the world in His righteousness. So this morning, I want to share with you about Enoch and Methuselah. These two men lived in prophetic times. They lived prior to the flood of the days of Noah. The Bible says that Enoch was the father of Methuselah. And when Methuselah was born, Enoch became aware of the fact that his son had a significant life. He was a signal of the coming end of the dispensation. Now the Bible doesn't exactly tell us how this happened. It doesn't explain how this happened. But it does tell us that when uh, he named his son Methuselah, the name Methuselah literally translated means when he dies, the end will come. Now that is an important uh a revelation that God gave to Enoch. When his son was born, Enoch realized that his son would be the sign of the end of the dispensation. Have you studied the life of Methuselah? In Genesis chapter 5, you discover that he lived to be 969 years old. Not by coincidence. But Methuselah died The year of the flood. Methuselah died the year that Noah entered the ark. Now I want you to think about that. Because when he was born, his father prophesied, giving him a name. Which meant when he dies, the end will come. And The year that Methuselah died, Noah entered the ark. And the end came for that dispensation. So we understand that Methuselah was a signal life. God chose him as a sign to the world. He chose him as a sign to his day. His death, his birth was obviously significant to his father because if you read Genesis chapter five, it says that he, he lived 65 years. Enoch lived 65 years and then Methuselah was born, and it says, And then Enoch walked with God. I don't know if Enoch was a man of faith before Methuselah was born, but he sure enough became a man of faith after Methuselah was born. God got his attention. He understood that God was speaking through the life of his son. And this is the way that God works. God, in His mercy and in, and for His own glory, will give signs to every dispensation. And maybe you're asked this morning, Pastor, if we're living in prophetic times, has God given a sign to our generation? Has God given a signal life to our generation? Well, the answer to that is yes. There are two. Things I want to mention. First of all, there's a general set of signs that God has given to this generation. And then there's a specific sign that I want to mention. First of all, generally, in Luke chapter 21, Jesus listed the signs. He said, you will see wars and rebellions. Now we see that word rebellions, it deals with instability and commotion. So he says, in the, at the end of the age, at the end of the dispensation of the church, one of the things you and I will begin to see more frequently is war. And we will also see rebellion, instability, commotion. I don't have to explain to you that last year we saw a great deal of unrest and commotion in our society. And then this year began with an insurrection at the United States Capitol. Things that had not been before seen in our nation uh, in, that, in that magnitude are beginning to become commonplace. Now we've seen these things throughout time. And every one of these signs I'm going to mention has existed on the earth before. What makes it unique is when all of the signs are coming together. Then he said, Jesus said, that you will see great earthquakes and famine, scarcity, You and I could hardly imagine famine. But within the last 12 months, we've already experienced twice occasions when you go to the grocery store and you can't find basic necessities. These things are happening more and more frequently in our world. And I would advise you to consider that these things are going to happen more and more frequently in our world. And they deserve our attention And preparation. Then Jesus said you will see pestilence or plagues. And I don't have to explain that one too much. Because we're seeing plagues in our day. Not only are we seeing the outbreak of the coronavirus. But also variants of that same disease that are now in the world. And then he says you will see fearful sights. I would basically define that as scary stuff. And I bet all of us have thought over the last year. We're really living through some scary stuff. There's a, a lot of terror in our world. There's fear in our world. And Then he says, you will see great signs in the heavens. Now, Jesus also added, and he said, when you see these things, the end is not yet. It's not the end, but perhaps we could say it's the beginning of the end. He said, these things are not yet. So then we might ask, well, Lord, why give us the signs? There are three reasons that Jesus outlines here as to why these signs are given. Now, remember, I told you that he gives us these signs uh, for his own glory and out of his mercy. But there's three specific reasons in our life why he gives us the sign. First of all, we read there in Luke chapter 21. That these signs were given in verse 13, as an opportunity for witness. These signs are given so that you and I will testify. And listen, church, if there's ever been a time for you and I to preach, it's now. When you and I begin to see the signs, it's not so we can panic it's not so we can be afraid. It's not so that we can go ha- find a cave to hide in. It's not so that we can, we can ignore the world around us and just go sit on a hilltop and wait for the rapture. No, when we see the signs, it is an opportunity for us to witness. Why do you think that these things that have been going on in our world are happening? That's so that we can be a witness. Now, this is the pattern of Scripture. If you look at the scripture, every time people live in prophetic season, God's people begin to preach. Jude chapter 14 says that Enoch was the seventh from Adam. And Enoch began to prophesy. When Enoch realized he was living in a prophetic age, he began to prophesy. He began to preach. He understood his mission. Second Peter chapter two verse five, Noah was a preacher of righteousness. When Noah was living in a prophetic season, he began to preach. He began to, by the building of the ark, declare the works of God. In Genesis chapter 18 verse 19, when Abraham saw the coming destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, the Bible said that he taught his children concerning how to live in righteousness. John the Baptist lived in the prophetic time. He lived at the end of the age of the law. And when he understood the times, he began to go to the wilderness and preach and prepare the way of the Lord. What are we to do in these prophetic times? What are we to do with the signs that we see around us? We are to preach. We are to make a decision with our life, with our witness, to proclaim the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I know that a lot of people want to know, well, what what uh what's going to happen and who's the Antichrist and how does he comb his hair? None of that matters. That's not our message. What do we preach? We preach Jesus Christ crucified. We preach Jesus Christ risen from the dead. We preach Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation. If you're not preaching right now, you need to start preaching. I don't necessarily mean writing sermons and standing up and preaching. Not everyone is called to that, but your life needs to be a message, a witness to your world. When you see this global pandemic, when you see the unrest in our nation and in the nations, when you see the insurrection of the U.S. Capitol, when you see the crisis provoked by the winter storm this last week that proved just how fragile we are, these things need to be A sign to us. That it is time to preach Jesus Christ. Because he is the only hope of the world. And he is the only hope of man. Jesus gives another reason for the signs in verse 14. He says so that you will make up your mind. These signs were given. So that you and I can realize. You know what I've got to make up my mind. I have a decision to make. Let me ask you a question. Does God have your attention right now? Does God have your attention in this, in this last, these last 12 months? Has God gotten your attention? That's what this is about. God wants you to, to make up your mind. He wants to get your attention so that you can decide. I don't know how Enoch lived the first 65 years of his life. But the Bible says that when Methuselah was born, then he began to walk with God. It it seems that God got his attention. And when God got Enoch's attention, he began to walk with God. If God has your attention today, you need to walk with him. It's time to make up your mind to serve the Lord. Maybe I'm preaching to somebody this morning that's living, you know, half-baked Christianity. You call yourself a Christian, but your life and your deeds and your mind and your and your uh, the way you conduct your life denies Christianity. The Bible said there are those who have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. No friend, you need to make up your mind. Enoch began to walk with God. And he walked with God so devotedly, the Bible says, that he was not because God took him. God literally translated him out of the earth. There's another man in the Bible that made up his mind. His name was Joshua. Israel was, was flirting with idolatry. The nation of Israel was flirting with other gods. Joshua stood up before them. And he said, you choose for yourselves who you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Come on, is there anybody here this morning that's made up their mind to say you do what you want. But in my house, we're going to serve the Lord. In my house, we're going to preach the gospel. In my house, we're going to live in righteousness. You say, Pastor, why should I make up my mind? I have plenty of time. Well, friend, you need to make up your mind. Because there's coming a great apostasy. The Bible prophesies that in the end of the last days, there will be a hardening of men's hearts. People who think, well, I'll just come to God when I want to. Friend, the day will come when you won't be able to come because your heart will harden toward God. And so the book of Revelation, chapter 22, verse 11, it says, let the one who does wrong still do wrong. And the one who is filthy still be filthy. Let the one who is righteous still practice righteousness. And the one who is holy still keep himself holy. There's a day when men have missed their opportunity. That's going to be one of the realities of this generation. The hardening of hearts toward God. The turning away from the faith. It seems like every few months... Now we hear of a new Christian uh, evangelist or preacher or book writer who's abandoned the faith, who's abandoned God altogether. That's why you need to make up your mind. Because these signs all around us, they're not false alarms. They're God's signal to you that it's time to walk with Him. That it's time to live for Him. That it's time to be all in for God. Now the third reason for the signs is there in verse 28. When you see these signs, the Bible says, Jesus said, Straighten up and look up. Straighten up and look up because your redemption draweth nigh. Friends, when you and I see these signs, we ought to look up in hope. We ought to look up in expectation. There are those who look around and see despair and gloom. But when you look up, you realize there's a king on the throne and he's coming back with power and with great glory. Come on, somebody. Give the Lord praise. Now, those are the general signs that God gives to a prophetic generation. But there's a Methuselah in the world today. You see, Methuselah lived 969 years. And when he died, the end came. You say, Pastor, who is the Methuselah of our day? Who is the Methuselah of the dispensation of the church? Quite simply, the church is. The church of Jesus Christ is the Methuselah of this time. The day is coming when the church will be taken out of the earth. And when the church is removed from the earth, that will mark the end of this dispensation. The body of Christ is the Methuselah of our day. And the Bible teaches us that the day is coming when the dead in Christ shall rise. And we who are alive and remain will rise up to meet the Lord at the sound of a trumpet. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Meanwhile, that the earth, the, the church is on the earth, the church is salt and light to this world. The Bible says that there is one who now restrains. If you think the world is bad now, just wait until the church is gone. Because the church is the restrainer. The church is what holds back the full takeover of Darkness. Don't you think the devil would have taken over this world if he could? But he hasn't been able to. Because there's a, there's a bright burning torch called the church. Shining the light in this dark age. And this church is salt to this world. But the day is coming when the church of Jesus Christ is going to be taken away. When she's going to be raptured out of the earth. And when that day comes, there will be nothing left to hold back darkness. The Antichrist will come in. And darkness will come in such as this world has never known. And judgment following it. And so friends, if you want to know what is the sign, what is the end of the church age, it will be the rapture of the church. If you're not living for God today, you need to make up your mind to live for God. Because once the church is gone, there will be no one left to preach to you. And when there's no one left to preach to you and you add that to the hardening of men's hearts, there will be great darkness. These signs are here. These signs are to us a signal that God is about to wrap things up. Now that could be tomorrow. It could be in a year. It could be in 10 years. I don't know how long it could be, but I know this, that God is trying To get your attention. God wants your attention this morning. He wants you to do like Enoch did. And make up your mind. Now the Bible also teaches us that Methuselah was an illustration of the patience of God. Not only was he a signal life. But he was an illustration. He was a picture of God's patience. He lived 969 years. That's a long, long, long time. I don't know of anybody who wants to live that long. I've heard people say they want to live to be 100. I've heard people say they want to live to be 120. I've heard people say they want to live to be 140. I have never heard anyone say I want to live to be a 1,000. Methuselah lived 969 years. Why? Why did he live so long? He lived so long because God was patient. Every year that Methuselah lived was another year of God's mercy. Another year in which God was giving people an opportunity to repent, to walk with Him, The same happens in our day. Some people ask the same question. They say, if Christ is coming, where is He? Why hasn't He come yet? The answer is the same. He hasn't come yet because God is giving you time. God is giving the world time. The Bible tells us that one of the names of God is patient. In the book of Numbers, chapter 14, verse 17 through 18, the Bible said God was going to destroy the nation of Israel. And Moses stood before him and said, Lord, show your power, for you are Yahweh Arik. You are Yahweh, or you are God, the Lord, who is patient. Patience is one of the names of God. We see it again in Romans, chapter 15, verse 5. Paul says, uh, calls him the God of patience. The God of patience is giving the world time to repent, time to get right, time to serve the Lord. He's giving the church time to preach. You say, Why doesn't he come? Why doesn't he why doesn't he just take us all home? He's giving you time to do the job that he called you to do, Christian. He's giving you the time to serve him. He's giving you time to make up your mind. The Bible says in uh, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, The Lord is not slow about His promise, as some count slowness. But He is patient toward you, not willing that any should perish, but for all to come to repentance. Not only is God patient because it's His name, He's also patient because of His mercy toward you. He said there, Peter said he's patient toward you. That's a specific person. Could it be that God is waiting just for you? For you to make a decision to serve the Lord? First Peter chapter three, verse 20 says, who come, who, who once were in disobedience when the patience of God kept waiting in the days of Noah. Look at that. In the days of Noah. Methuselah kept living another year, another year, another year, another year. Why? Because the patience of God kept waiting. God was waiting on that generation. But look at what it says. The patience of God kept waiting in the day of Noah during the construction of the ark in which few, that is, eight persons were brought safely through the water. God gave that generation 969 years. He gave them Noah and only eight were saved. Only eight would make up their mind. In Genesis chapter six, verse five, the Bible said, my spirit will not always strive with man forever. The word strive there means to plead. God says, I will not plead with man forever, but for right now, God is pleading with you. He's pleading with you to be reconciled to God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, do you see the love of God? Do you see the patience of God that he's pleading with the sinner? He's saying, repent, turn from your righteousness, be saved, be healed, be delivered because God's love is toward you. It's not a passing invitation. It's a plead. It emanates from the heart of a loving God. He says, come to me, be reconciled with me through my son, Jesus Christ. Finally, God is patient because of his justice. Romans chapter 2, verse 4 and 5 said, do not think lightly of the riches of his kindness or the forbearance and patience, not knowing that it is the kindness of God that leads to repentance. But because of the stubbornness of your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and revelation at the righteous judgment of God. Even in America, in our legal system, we have something called due process. That means you can't be arrested on Monday and put in prison on Tuesday. Our legal system gives you time. Time to find a lawyer. Time to make a defense. This is part of any civilized society where we have the rule of law. And if our country knows good enough to do that, you can see then why God gives people time. He gives people time because he's just. But look at what Paul says there. He says, don't take lightly the patience of God. Because a day will come when the time will run out. The time ran out for the nation of Israel. God gave Israel a lot of time. He walked with them 40 years in the desert. Look at the patience of God. Forty years walking with the same complaining people. And then He endured with them in the promised land. When they turned their hearts to idols, He disciplined them, but He never destroyed them. He walked patiently with them. Then they went off into exile in Babylon and He went with them and He appeared to them. He appeared to the to the three Hebrews in the burning of Furnace. His patience continued toward Israel. Then he endured with them until Jesus came. All the patience of God with Israel was to bring them to Jesus. But the Bible said that he came to his own and his own received him not. And after they rejected Jesus by hanging him on the cross. He was still patient with them and he gave them 40 more years from the death of Jesus to the destruction of Jerusalem. But then their time ran out. Time ran out for Methuselah and for the generation in the days of Noah. Time ran out for Sodom and Gomorrah. Time ran out for Pharaoh in Egypt. Time will run out for America. Time will run out on this dispensation. You and I are living in prophetic times. So what are we to do? Three things real quick. Number one, walk with God. Say that out loud with me, would you? Walk with God. What do I do in prophetic times, preacher? Walk with God. Make friends with God. There's one person you need to know better than anyone else in your life. It's God. He's not hiding from you. He's not playing hide and seek. He wants you to know Him. He wants you to walk with Him. He wants you to hear His voice. To be led by His Spirit. If you'll do that, you'll be like Enoch. And when the time comes, you'll be raptured out of this world. Dead or alive, you'll be raised up to be forever with Christ. Kingsway Church, walk with God. Beville, walk with God. America, it's time to walk with God. You'll find no friend more faithful than Him. Number two, preach. Say it out loud, would you say, preach? Pastor, what do I do in this prophetic generation? Preach. Testify. Be a witness. I don't mean but just by putting a Christian bumper sticker on your car or by wearing a Christian t-shirt, but I mean preach the gospel through your life, preach the gospel through your words, preach the gospel through your giving. I'm I'm so blessed to be a part of this wonderful church because you are so faithful in your giving. Why are you giving? So that the gospel can be preached. And right now it's being preached on, in this parking lot. It's being preached on Facebook. It's being preached on the internet. It's being preached on the radio. We are preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And You don't know about it and I won't give you too many details But we have a team of young people that every week are preaching the gospel to our high school and middle school students. You and I must be a preaching church. If we do nothing else, let us preach. I know this year we haven't had all the fellowships we would like to have. I know this year we didn't have all the events we would have liked to have. But we've done one thing and that is we have preached the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you can't have the 4th of July picnic and you can't have the Easter egg hunt and if you can't do all the things you're used to doing, none of those things make church what church is. Church, you and I are God's messenger to this generation. Let us not fail in declaring the whole counsel of the word of the living God. Number three, make up your mind. Make up your mind. Choose this day whom you will serve. Joshua said, but me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Come on somebody. Have you made up your mind to serve the Lord? Listen, if there's food at H-E-B... Serve the Lord. If there's no food at H-E-B, serve the Lord. If there's water in the tap, serve the Lord. If there's no water in the tap, serve the Lord. Come on somebody. It's time to make up your mind. Whatever wind blows, whatever comes my way, I have made up my mind to walk with God. Several years ago, I was standing on the platform during worship on Easter Sunday. Just so you understand how the enemy works. I'm standing on the altar on Easter Sunday. And I heard the stranger's voice. Look at what the enemy said. He said, what if Jesus didn't rise from the dead? Resurrection Sunday. He's trying to make me question my faith in the resurrection. I laughed. I said, devil... You showed up too late to make me think any other thing. I have made up my mind. I believe the Word of God. I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And I believe that He's coming back again. Come on. Are there any believers in the house of faith this morning? Right where you are, bow your head please. And pray with me. Let's pray for our nation. Let's pray for the state of Texas. Father, our nation is in a time of trouble. We need your help. I pray for President Biden. I ask you to give him wisdom. I pray that you would give him the wisdom to reject ungodly Policies, immoral policies, which have brought and will bring still more wrath upon our nation. I pray that you would give him understanding and light. God, I pray for our governor, for Governor Abbott. I pray that you would give him wisdom in this time of crisis. Give Him solutions. Teach our government officials to look to You and to trust in You. Father, I pray for the people of America and the people of the state of Texas, many of whom are suffering right now. I pray that You would bring comfort. I pray that You would bring revival. I ask You to stir again the heart of this nation to return to the God who blessed it. Father, I pray for the church this morning. Give us boldness to preach Christ. Give us boldness to pray prayers as big as the heavens until we see the heavens open and the glory of God poured out upon our nation. God, I pray that You would make us a bold church A faithful church. A determined church. God I pray for the membership of of this body. I pray for Kingsway Church. I pray that you would restore broken marriages. That you would save our prodigal sons and daughters. Bring them home, oh God. I pray that you would heal the sick. I pray that you would deliver the captive. I pray that you would move on behalf of your people. That we might be that generation that stands ready to declare the unshakable word of the living God. Almighty God, we want to walk with you. Come on, just make a commitment in your heart this morning. Make a decision in your heart. I'm gonna walk with God. I'm gonna live for God.